You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to FPEA Connects. Today's host is Suzanne Nunn. Suzanne is an active homeschool mom serving homeschool families in both her local community and across the state. She also serves as chairman of FPEA, Florida's statewide homeschooling association. FPEA serves thousands of homeschool families in Florida, delivering a wealth of support, guidance, and information to both new and longtime home educators. Please join us as we seek to encourage you in your homeschool journey and help you stay connected to all things homeschooling in the Sunshine State. Welcome to episode number 64 of FPEA Connects. I am Suzanne and here with Sharon today. We're glad that you are listening in and um, we have some interesting and exciting places to highlight today. So Sharon, are you ready to go? I am. We're going to take a little trip. Where are we going, Suzanne? (laughs) I knew you would ask that question. So here it is. Um, We're kind of focusing this month on some of the things that have made Florida famous. Okay, or vice versa, famous places in Florida, however we want to look at that. But um, Ybor City is one of those places. And um, if you are not familiar with Ybor City, we're going to give you a lot of information today about um, just enough maybe to get you interested and and pique your interest. And then there's a lot of places you can get a lot of information about eBoard to continue studying, and absolutely you can go there. So, so why are you? Why are we talking about eBoard City? Why are we talking about eBoard City? So again, it was um, one of the places that we're highlighting in one of our Florida History Adventures Plus bundles. Um, again, in January this year, we're highlighting places that are famous. And Florida mm-hmm. and Ebor City falls into that category. So, um, you know, my question when I see that something is famous, I always, I always am curious. Like, mm-hmm. why was it famous? There, yeah. uh, some things are obvious, but then other things you don't really know or you don't really necessarily understand how much of an impact right. they really did have on creating an area or building an area. And Ebor City is one of those places to me. It's a place that is... Um, high in importance, and it is famous, but I don't know that people really understand why it's and so famous. So I would you, be one of those people you because I've never people. been to Ebor. I am aware that culturally there's a lot of culture there, and having been a history major as yourself, right? I do know some of the culture there, but I, since I've never been there, I've never really studied Ebor City. Yeah, I am excited to hear what you have to tell us about it. Yeah, and Ebor City is um, is very distinctive. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, there's a lot of culture there. And right. when you go into Ebor City, which is just northeast of downtown Tampa proper, you know, um, if you go into Ebor City, you will definitely feel like you've kind of stepped back in time a mm-hmm. little bit because you can see and the distinct style of like the architecture um, that is there and you can feel the different flavors of the culture that have existed there through all the years. And um, it was just, it was a prosperous community Mm -hmm. when it was built. And you can see that. 
you yeah, know, you can right. experience that as you're as you're going through there now. So now it's a Ybor City Historic District, and people still go there. It has its own um, life now of its own, mm -hmm. but not nearly as rich as when it started. So what do you know about Ybor? I know you know that it's in Tampa. Yes, and when I think of Ybor City, I automatically think of the Cuban culture okay. and moving from South Florida and from Cuba, and I think of cigars. Mm -hmm. But I don't, and other than, you know, that's the past history I think of when I think of Ybor City, but now, obviously, I think of, like, nightlife and, you know, yeah, what, what it's like now. But um, yeah. I don't have much understanding of Ybor City. Yeah. Other how, than and Cuban culture. And, and was established. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's a very interesting thing. So um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Like I said, it was a very prosperous community. It was a manufacturing community. And the unique thing about it is it was built almost entirely by immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in 18... 85 to 1887 is when you really saw that that community is established and begins growing and is, you know, a couple of years later in 87 is annexed by Tampa. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> so the original population was mostly Cuban and Spanish. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that those were immigrants who were working in the cigar factories. It was cigar manufacturers who established Ybor City. And I'll get to in a minute kind of how that came about because the history of even that is interesting and, and a unique one. But after a little while, there were some more Italian immigrants, um, Eastern Euro European and Jewish immigrants, and they just developed a strong retail area. There were grocery stores, um, box factories, print shops, all kinds of things that were needed for the cigar industry to, mm -hmm. to grow. And <clears throat> during the 1890s, it grew very rapidly in that area. I mean, it started out with <clears throat> streets that were loose sand, uh -huh. you know, and very quickly developed into a town that had streets that were paved. And uh, it was a bustling um, community with modern amenities and everything. So even though it was mainly populated by um, the Cuban and Spanish men who were seeking work in these cigar factories during that 1890s decade, um, you saw Ybor City founding all of their mutual aid societies, which we'll explain in a minute too. Um, labor organizations, they did, they had newspapers in several different languages mm, because wow. the community was so diverse. And um, quite, because it was so diverse, quite a list of different kinds of businesses, mm -hmm. you know, everything from tailors to, um, you know, newspaper men, people who were butchers and bread makers and everything. Mm -hmm. They just developed very strong. With their trade. Mm-hmm. And so um, they developed a very diverse society and it kind of became then known as this Latin culture mm -hmm. that was that was there in Ebor. And it continued to grow and prosper even up into the 1920s and 30s. And by the 1920s, they were hand rolling almost half a billion cigars every year. 
And it gave Tampa the nickname Cigar City. Yeah. So how many times have you ever seen like the boxes of cigars and it says Tampa? Yeah, I know that they were super, they're super popular with collectors and stuff. The the cigar boxes are. Yeah. And it was because it was such a, you know, it was so. A unique tradition too. Mm -hmm. It was very important. And uh, we'll talk in a minute a little bit about the um, tobaccos. I can hardly say that word. But those were the people who wrote yeah. the cigars. Um, so, talking a little bit more about how they actually established Ybor City, this is an interesting piece of history to me. Um, it was by happenstance, really. There was a Spanish immigrant who had um, been living in New York City. And he was a civil engineer. He worked for a fruit production company Mm -hmm. and so he was actually in tampa looking for guava trees because they were looking to expand um the fruit production right and so he heard that there were a lot of wild growing guava trees around tampa and when he came um on the trip here and found that it was not really enough that he needed to be successful or to you know actually implement that He took the opportunity to go ahead and, while he was in Tampa, hit a a boat and visit a friend of his who was also another immigrant um, businessman who lived in Key West. And that was actually um, uh, Vicente Martinez Ebor. Okay. Okay, that was was him. So So his last name was Ebor? Mm-hmm. Oh. His last name was Ebor. And he had... um, then he basically had to leave Cuba because he had been helping to fund some of the Cuban revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came to Key West. He did bring the cigar industry with him, but because Key West was still separated from the mainland for transportation purposes, there was a lot of issues with them getting some of the products that they needed and some of the labor that they needed uh-huh. to actually be there um, to continue to work. So, it was posing some problems for him, and he was looking for another place to move his industry. But um, he he did talk with his friend, um, and they mentioned Tampa and looked at that. But at this point, he had already been offered several other locations to set up his cigar factories. And those were in places like Pensacola, mm-hmm. Mobile, Alabama, Galveston, Texas. Even and these places had offered land to him and even other concessions to bring the cigar industry there, right? Because they could see the, the economic potential. impact that it would bring, yes, right? So, but when he learned about Tampa, he and another um, cigar manufacturer, a friend of his, came and explored the area and decided that. Tampa was best because of the climate Mm -hmm. in Tampa. It was close enough still for them to go back to Cuba and have the tobacco, you know, brought in by boat. So they were literally going to be getting Cuban cigars that were made, you know, in the United States. So um, they decided that they were going to go ahead, build, bought the land, cleared the land. An interesting little thing that happened, and this just kind of gives you a hint as to how small and unimportant Tampa was at the time. 
um, the original, um, the man who was coming here to seek guavas, he came and he had such a hard time getting here because the rail systems were not complete mm. yet. So he rode, he rode from several days from the Stamford area to try to get here on a lot of country roads right. um, and everything to get to Tampa. And he just thought the whole thing was miserable. So they knew they were going to need the railroads to be built before this could be really successful right. for the transportation. But also during that time, um, there was only one bank in Tampa. Uh-huh. And that bank was a branch off of the Jacksonville-based First National Bank. Okay, so because the commercial industry in Tampa was so stagnant and so, you know, so non-productive, the bank had already decided to close that bank in Tampa. And um, <clears throat> when they heard about this, this is Ebor and Haya, who was his partner. Uh-huh. Uh, when they heard about this, they went to the bank and went in to find that the bank manager was actually removing all of the fixtures, packing up everything, and getting ready to go to Jacksonville. And so they talked to him, Ebor talked to him and said, listen, we're going to have a payroll that's going to be enough money coming in to justify the bank staying here. And actually in that moment, without even checking with the bank proper, Um, the bank manager decided to keep the bank open in Tampa. So this is how much of an impact economically just having the cigar factories build um, impacted the economy of Tampa, Mm -hmm. you know, and helped Tampa to grow. Um, So there was a lot of interesting things about Ebor. Like I said, you can, you know, get all kinds of books that talk about um, how that industry developed and all Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of it. But some of the things that I find interesting just about um, Ebor and the people who worked in the cigar factories, you know, they considered um, themselves to be artisans, much like right. the gilded artisans, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to be seen as a master at right. that art so that they right. could eventually move up in those companies. And... Um, it was interesting to me as I was studying it to find out that even in the cigar factory, while the workers were working, they wanted to know what was going on in the community around them. They wanted right. to be educated. And so, and they would have lectors who were people that would sit and read to them. Right. You know, in the morning, they might start out by reading um, political news from the newspapers um, they might read something that was a romance or comedy, you know, to right. them. But then they would read classics like Don Quixote to them. And so they were being read to and becoming more educated about the politics that were happening in the world around them and then about things that were considered classic mm-hmm. um, as well. And, of course, we have some other very interesting things that had, you know, developed as they built those communities one of the things to me was what they called the mutual aid societies or the social social clubs. Uh-huh. And um, so there are several of them that actually still function um, as such. But, you know, if you had um, a group of German immigrants 
there was a German club. Uh-huh. And they would go to this club for different Social. reasons. Social events. Right. Uh, cultural events that they wanted to participate in still. But also for medical care. This was prior uh-huh. to some of the... Um, you know, insurance and things that people have now. And I imagine there now. may not have even really been a hospital in Tampa at the time. or There were once Ebor was built oh, okay. because actually two of those clubs built hospitals. Oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so those mutual aid societies were really helpful. And, again, it was just a place to socialize. But the main reason they were founded was to provide basic medical care. Um, and it was weekly dues that people paid to them that uh-huh. helped to fund Right. Thing. So it was very important to be a part of the social club that represented your ethnic culture. Right. Um, and there was probably some trust among them, you know, mm-hmm. you know, being isolated from your original, you know, where you're from. Yeah. There's got to be a trust of, you know, your speaking the same language. Right. Just, just language. And, and just yeah. I imagine they connect more with people of the same ethnicity. Oh, yeah. And um, so that was. Something that was interesting that kind of developed out of that uh-huh. whole community. Um, another thing that, you know, we see and appreciate a lot is the um, ethnic foods that developed out uh-huh. of there. So, there are a couple of things that, you know, have you ever eaten a Cuban sandwich? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the other thing I think it about of Ebor City. Yeah. <laughs> so, it claims its um, origination in Ebor City. And... You know, it came from a real need for the people who were working in the factories to have a quick, uh-huh. available lunch. Sure, yeah. And so street vendors would even have, uh-huh. you know, these are like your original, you know, food trucks, right? Right. <laughs> street vendors would have them and created. So it it kind of blended um, some of the Cuban bread. Um, you know, real Cuban has like Genoa salami in it, which kind of is uh, a herald to the Jewish culture uh-huh. so some of the different meats and some of the different things that the different communities liked and then it was usually cubans who were putting that together so it mm-hmm. came up with the name cuban sandwiches but um and so that's an interesting fact and i never actually had a cuban until i moved to Tampa. Oh. so i liked that and then um still established and going strong today is the columbia restaurant mm-hmm. it was one of the very early established um, businesses it takes up like a whole city block. Yeah, um, I've heard you talk a lot about the Columbia Restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to it's one day go beautiful. there. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's got great. Um, the building is great. The architecture is beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, but it's the oldest continuously operated restaurant in Florida. <clears throat> it is the oldest Spanish restaurant um, in the United States. And it's one of the largest Spanish restaurants in the world. Wow. So it's, it's huge. But it was established in 1905, and it's still actually owned by those family members who Are originally owned it. Mm. Wow. So, of course, they've married, and there's, you know, yeah. there's branches. But, yeah, still owned wow. by the same initial family. So, you know, and Ebor City has been through a lot over the course of time. Their cigar factories, of course, began to... Oh, yeah, began to shut down, and there were some issues with uh, maintaining that culture. But there is still a standing cigar factory um, in the Ebor City area that you can go and visit mm-hmm. if you're in the area or want to. And then there are some great um, bakeries still in the area. La Segunda mm-hmm. Bakery is one that's been there for over 100 years. Oh, wow. And they make um, Cuban bread like it was intended to be made. They actually mm-hmm. ship 
um, more Cuban bread to the rest of Florida. Mainly Miami, uh-huh. of course, has right. a huge Cuban culture. But um, so there's a lot that still functionally happens there. Um, but you know, it's a rich history. It's a rich culture. Sounds like Ybor has a lot of tradition left in it. It does, and it's growing and it's changing some to meet you know the people who live there today. But um, they've actually developed it and built it to still, um, you know, be reminiscent of, of what maintain it was built it, to be right. and maintain it. And so, so it's beautiful. So I would suggest highly anybody that has the opportunity. I know that there are people that I have as friends who've never been to E4C and they live in Tampa. <laughs> wow. You know? Really? So, yeah. So it's one I of, have an excuse. <laughs> you have an excuse. But it's one of those areas that you can kind of never get to. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you could just bypass it. And um, not well, make it there. I'm going to so. have to come over just to eat at the Columbia. You will. That's yeah. great. Great. But <clears throat> so that's our focus. Um, I would encourage you, if you're in any other part of the state where there's a famous place, uh-huh. like Ybor City. Right. Um, if you can't make it to Ybor City, there are other places like this. Yeah. And if you look at our Florida History Adventure Bundles, um, you'll see we'll highlight some more of those there that we don't necessarily highlight in our podcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, get to know your state, get to yeah. know your town, and you'll understand a little bit more about what wild Florida was right. like. Because for me, it's hard to imagine a Tampa where there was one bank that they were about to shut right. down, you know, right, right. until the cigar factories came. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting um, history there. But it's all over our state. Mm-hmm. And just dig in and dive in. Well, thank you so much for bringing Ebor alive for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And thank you for, for being here with me today. For those of you who have joined in, if you are considering homeschooling or maybe you're already fully engaged, remember this. FPA is your source for all of your Florida homeschooling needs. You can check out our website, www.fpa.com, for exciting opportunities and valuable resources. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram for other great tidbits and resources that are sure to help you as you create your customized homeschool journey. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.